0: What are we at? Is this episode nine? Number nine. Number nine. Number Number nine. nine. You say you want a revolution. You say you want a
1: revolution.
0: Holy cannoli, and the storming of the Bastille,
1: and the sneach for Mister Peach. My goodness. Why is it your goodness? Why do you always get to keep these things? It's a selfish thing. I can't help it can I just say this kind of emotional so last uh, two days ago Wednesday I don't drink a lot of beer Mm. or alcohol um and Wednesday I was following the news and following the radio and following internet websites and I just really wanted a beer Mm. um I felt like I needed it for comfort
0: yeah
1: um I was really unsettled it's not like I didn't sleep that night but I was just really uneasy. And it's been a long time since I felt that way. You know, all these,
0: and, and, you know, we've talked a lot about this, about, you know, what's a cult and it's amazing because as soon as Pence, you know, this is pre-mob riot, said, like, you can't just like propose that I'm going to, he's going to fly us off to the moon and and promise people that he's going to do something that's not possible to do and everyone believes it. And then I was saying to Leo, tonight, I I was like, what if I convince the family that you're going to fly us to Mars? And we're all like, he's going to fly us to Mars. And then you don't. And you say, I can't do that. (laughs) And you're like, traitor, you're terrible. You were were supposed to fly us to Mars. Um, That's essentially what. And then now Pence is a traitor. And now Lindsey Graham is a traitor. And now Mitch McConnell, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, Kelly Loeffler, you know, these people that are. That are just like, oh, well, mm. I guess it wouldn't really be a democracy if like the vice president would be, was able to just like negate 80,000, 80 million votes and just be like, no, we'll do it this way. That wouldn't be a democracy. Mm. I, I'm you know, glad people are starting to understand that. But a lot of people aren't. Um,
1: so. <laughs> so I have friends who have friends or family who – um are pushing back and saying that uh, it, it was you know these are just protesters, and I, I guess my thoughts about that is you don't if it's just like a normal protest, you don't show up with handcuffs and lead pipes and things to bash people's heads and, and explosives. That's not like your average protest if they had if
0: they had gotten a hold of Nancy Pelosi. I mean, you know, really... They would have killed her. They would have killed her. It would have been terrible. It would have been, you know... It's already terrible.
1: Can you imagine that? If you're looking at the bigger picture, um, this is something that happens... I don't know. Like like this pandemic. Like every hundred years?
0: Yeah. Right? Last time was 1814 that it was stormed by the British. Right.
1: People have to understand that... That democracies are fragile. I never understood totally, until this totally, week how totally. fragile a democracy is. Half the people don't vote, and the, half the other, one of the halves that do vote, they are going to love autocrats. I just never really understood this.
0: Here's the kind of, not I don't want to say fringes of the cult, but uh, right. a family member was telling us that uh, her, mm. she, she works with an athletic trainer. And she's said the athletic trainer saying, like, you know, they were saying it was the day after. And, and this family member of mine is like, oh, you know, oh, terrible. And she's like, oh, yeah. But didn't you hear that, like, Antifa was, you know, it's this is she's definitely a Trumpy and a Fox News watcher. And, and that's like her first go to is to say, oh, clearly Donald Trump spoke to these people and they're all wearing Trump paraphernalia and waving Trump flags and he says, now you're going to go down Pennsylvania Avenue to the Capitol. And so they all do, and it's all on film. <laughs> and then they're waving their flags and making noise, and then they go to the barricades, and they go up the steps, and then they break the windows and go in, and people get shot and everything. And then on, on Fox, on OANN, on, they're all like, oh, no, it was...
1: <laughs> there needs to be a movement amongst manufacturers corporations, the business community, many of whom sort of bankroll the Republican Party and say, we are going to stop funding the Hannity show or the whatever show. And not all of Fox because not – I mean Chris Wallace is more like fact-based, I think. But those elements that are just destructive to society – it's not that it should be illegal, but we should stop funding it and give Fox and the powers that be uh an incentive to do the right thing.
0: Hmm. You know when you were saying earlier on that text exchange you were saying about it's a time for reflection, you know, and I uh I totally agree and yet there are those like the guys wearing the uh, it's 6 m 6M- W e you know they love these code things on their shirts that for them means like oh I'm really I'm I'm really special I'm really in I'm using codes and all it means is six million wasn't enough. Wow, can you can it's it is so like there's no reflection going on in that person and we're gonna have to just figure out I don't know how to get their kids jobs because that's a lost cause for me you know I, I don't know I don't know but to to use that kind of Put that, uh, put that on your shirt. And the guy with Camp Auschwitz on his shirt in the in the there's a picture of him in the Capitol. I'm sorry, what what's your what's your what's your Dilio?
1: Yeah,
0: made me yeah. I mean, just like yeah. vomit. Well, uh, th- th-
1: the thing is, in any society, like you go to France, beautiful, beautiful country. So. Civilized, so much art and music and beautiful fields. And there's a layer of anti Semitism there, a layer of anti this, a layer of anti that in beautiful France. And guess what? You could go to Turkey, you could go to um, Argentina, you can go to any country, and you're going to have a layer of that. We have a layer of that, and it has been loosened and has risen to the surface. Which is unusual, but it was always there. It was there under Reagan. It was there under Jimmy Carter. It was there under George, the former Bush. I mean, the the earlier Bush, the later Bush. It's always been there. The trick is, I think, in a society to make it so that the haves and the have-nots are not so far apart. Right. So that there's so incredibly much resentment about the... Educated, the, the the employed, the people who studied medicine and they're doctors and they have knowledge. They have codes. They have keys. They understand how DNA works. So here you've got this guy with the six millions not enough. He's got all these code words on his shirt. He right, or she. Right. Well, they're tr- they're feeling slighted, mm. and they need a scapegoat. So you pick out the Jews, right? The Jews have the beards and the, they read books. Right, the the Jews are the people of the book. They're a right. bunch of freaking nerds. Um I see. So you make being a code, one myself.
0: Code and things.
1: So you, what you do, Eric, is you hate them. But if these and the the doctors who study their own codes, and so you do is you pull that down with hatred, because you don't have that. Your kids don't have that, and your next door neighbor doesn't have that. And I'm not trying to make excuses for these people who hate so much, but they need a space so they're they're feeling um, cared for on some level. The tricky bit, as far as I could tell, is when you have policies in the government to support folks like that, they really hate it. Mm. They call that socialism, and they hate that more than anything else, probably because it feels... I'm being sincere now. I'm not one of them. But it feels condescending to them. And no one likes to be condescended upon. People don't mind a social security check. (laughs) I've (laughs) got dear, dear friends here in Vermont, rural Vermont, who hate, hate the government. And they're they're on the dole. (laughs) I still love them, you know?
0: The, the video of the of the year for me was the election night you know when the bbc put up this interview uh, there was a couple different videos but posted but where one in one state they were chanting stop the count stop the count you know because it was in their the republican interest to not count more votes and then in another video it was count the votes count the votes and they had both of those right next to each other you know the utter cognitive dissonance that that is displayed there where it's just like we're only out for i mean i know we all are out for our interests on some level but when you can just completely believe two opposite things all the time <laughs> whatever doesn't serve your interests you can both believe against that and find a way to you know believe for it at the same time, you know, if it if you
1: can find ways that it benefits you. Cognitive I find business. it fascinating that what you just said is so powerful to to identify someone as being, hey, you're in a cult. And here's why. Oddly, the information you have and that knowledge that someone's in a cult, it's great. It doesn't necessarily help someone get out of the cult because guess what? They're in it. That's the challenge, huh? That's the challenge. Is if you have seventy million people, it's probably a lot less, but it's certainly thirty or forty or fifty million people. Correct. Um, And just because you and I can say um, this is what a cult is, you're in one. This is why. This is why it's destructive, and the way to get out of it is just that knowledge is great from an academic point of view. But to reach somebody who's inside of that is very tricky and very difficult and may take years, and some of these people will go to their graves believing this QAnon um, rhetoric or, or worldview that is As completely the woman detached from at the reality. The woman she who was, was shot the capital. she She was a QAnon. Yeah, and the guy with the horns and... Um, Oh, it's crazy. a lot of those Tragic. people are never going to get reached a lot of them so i think the way to get our country back is to reach the people who are too lazy to vote try to get them to vote and let the cultists be cultists and hope for the best and get jobs
0: for as many people as, uh, you know... <laughs> I, I, when I
1: say that, Eric, I, I put information out. Reach out to the people who are in cults, but you can't just spend your whole life trying to talk to someone who thinks that, it, that, that you know, you're a pedophile and right. there's no evidence. They're in some other reality. Right. Something has to snap them out of it and... Uh, what it is that snaps them out of it, um, I don't know. It's it's different for everybody.
0: Looking back on the books that I've read this last year, and I, I think if I had to decide on one book that I would recommend to other people, it would be this book, Educated. Educated. Yeah. I mean, I loved—every book I read I thought was wonderful, really. I think I looked at the whole list. I was like, oh, man, awesome book, awesome book. But if there was one I had to choose to say, okay, I would— Pass this on or give this to everyone. It would be educated.
1: Why is that? Why do you Why do you feel this book stands out? Because we've read some amazing books. We have, you know. Um, well, it's one that I I know
0: that if I pass it on to everyone, everyone would really enjoy reading it and be transformed by reading it. You know, some of the stuff that I read, I might like. That might be harder for some people to get through, or people might not. I don't know. I or it might be too long or whatever. Educated is like the is like the perfect uh, uh length. It's written by Tara Westover. Just did an amazing job with her with this memoir, you know. Um she's pff, comes from a, a background that few people have. You know, everyone has an interesting story, but hers is very very interesting and it's very different. I've never read something like this, uh, and, uh, read about a family like this, you know, where these kids are homeschooled and, um, they're kind of a Mormon, uh, splinter group, aren't they? Am I right about that? It goes from growing up in Idaho. Am I right about that? Is it Idaho? And then, you know, ending up at Cambridge university. I mean, the story is
1: just unreal. It's unreal.
0: Um, To me, it's a
1: story of abuse. It's a story of breaking away from a very steeply hierarchical abusive system where they use, um, intentionally or not, intermittent love or intermittent reinforcement. For example, the father and the brother, they still love her. And there are moments in the book where that love comes through. And a lot of the rest of the time, they're quite abusive to her. And that intermittent uh, reinforcement, that intermittent nature of abuse, um, as so many people know from their own experiences, makes it very difficult to break away from the abusive side of a relationship. Hmm. Yeah, I I think it's fascinating that Tara's... uh, book is first of all it's it's so beautifully written it's such a powerful story but i think it's also popular because it's not a book that says hi this is a book about cults and how i got out of it because if if it was i don't think people would be reading it because because to say the, and i know this from experience because i have two books out about cults um and it's taboo as soon as you say my book is about a cult i was in a cult People, publishers, the public, newspapers, everybody steps away from you. And here she doesn't use the word cult at all, but it's all about a cult and about how she gets out. And then she gets back in again, and she tries to leave. And 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 it's difficult because she gets this intermittent kind of abuse and then denial. And her mom um, is saying to her, Yes, yes, I agree with you. And then the mom changed her mind and said, I don't know what you're talking about. So that's called gaslighting. All the elements of her cult are in this story.
0: Yes. You know, I'll tell you, uh, worth listening to some interviews um, that that Tara did. Um, she did one, I believe it was on NPR. Uh, and I was uh, fascinated by this uh think she said, which was that this is an ideological purity in education said I think it has a lot to do with our politics and why certain segments of the population I feel feel left behind. Mormonism gets criticized quite a lot. people say it's a cult, and I'm not Mormon anymore, so I really have a dog in this fight. But I think of a cult as anything that maintains ideological purity by ostracizing members who depart from that purity. And I did experience more of that at Harvard and Cambridge than I did at BYU. I did feel that there was more of a culture of not being able to depart from the rules of what it's okay to say. And that's not to say that I think if someone is expressing a racist view that we all have to just pretend like it's fine. I think you should absolutely attack the idea, but I think we need to stop attacking the people. This Actually, I'm just going to read a little bit more because I thought this was so interesting. I've had every kind of appalling view that you can imagine. I've had sexist views. I've had racist views. I've had homophobic views. And the only way that I was able to change my mind is that people let me express my beliefs, and they gave me an opportunity to hear myself say the words. And having that experience, I learned I never wanted to say those words again, actually. They weren't really my words. They came from somewhere else. So I'm glad I clarify. Glad I read that because that's that's. I just found that really in, uh, uh, interesting. You know, at the dinner table when we're talking about stuff, I want to make it clear to to like my kids. Say whatever you want. Express whatever you want, and no one gets attacked for suggesting or thinking out something. Um, I, I, I feel like that's sort of a really important part of our dinner time.
1: Yes, yes. So when I was reading educated something that came to mind was a book i read called, it's a novel by paul thoreau the great travel writer and novelist it's called the mosquito coast it was actually made into a movie with harrison ford uh it's yeah. abs- absolutely a brilliant book about uh, i guess the subtitle of the movie says how far should a man go to follow his dreams ali mm. fox went to the mosquito coast he went too far and I think, in a way, um putting Harvard and Cambridge aside for a moment, the bulk of the book is about Idaho and her her dad and the culture that her dad created within the family. And the mom was more secondary uh, mm-hmm. to that culture. And I found that, in a way, Tara's narrative was similar to the narrative voice of the fictional character in the Mosquito Coast, this 14-year-old kid who was pulled by his parents, mostly his dad, who went insane um, to this uh, uh, Central American village and where this young 14-year-old found his father going insane. And I felt like Tara lived that.
0: Wow, yeah. Right. She, She only later started to uh, add up that her father was
1: uh, bipolar, uh, schizo- bipolar, schizophrenic, right. something like that. Right. Um, and, wow. and sadly, the family, the mom would only acknowledge that intermittently, which must have been very difficult, I can imagine, for Tara because first her mom is saying yes, and then she's saying no, it's you, something wrong with you. Um, right. and, and that's that's really a show of gaslighting and uh, messing with someone's sense of reality. Right. Um, I, you know, it's interesting Um, what you said and what Tara said about Harvard and Cambridge is bringing versus BYU. Yeah. Versus BYU, um, Brigham Young University um, where I, I, it does bring to mind a story that I have for myself where I got a scholarship many years ago to um, to uh, University of Pittsburgh. Uh, it was the oldest writing program in the United States. I got a, a writing. I got a scholarship to go there. I left after three weeks because of a program there uh, that was so bizarre and so cult-like. And I used to tell my friends the first cult. Took me seven years to get out of. The second one took me three weeks to get out of. Ooh. And I was so glad to drop out and leave my full scholarship to wow. a very expensive school. I was gonna get an MFA, a master's in fine arts in creative wow. nonfiction. I left. I, I eventually went to New Mexico and then to DC, where I met you.
0: One of my favorite parts of the book, which is also connected to an interview I later heard with her was when they were in Cambridge and they were going out like on the roof of the church.
1: Yes, I remember
0: that. And, and she just kind of got out on the roof and started walking and her professor was like, "Wow, everyone else who's doing this is crouching down and you're just walking along." And he said, "I'm not I'm not ask I'm not questioning that. I'm just observing." And how interesting that her Upbringing, you know, she was hardcore, so she, you know, she knew how to handle being on a roof and with the wind. She just kind of walks along because she knows how to go with it. And everyone else who was more book learned and uh, protected in their homes was like all crouched down and all like afraid they were gonna fall. And I just thought that was a really, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. not to say it's okay her upbringing, but they asked some. She was asked in an interview, like, would you want to change your where you came from? And she's and her answer to that was something like, that would just that would just wish me out of existence. Mm-hmm. I can't. do that. That's that's who I am. That's who I was, and it's who I am, and it's part of me. Uh, that's powerful. It's powerful. I, I, it was kind of my biggest takeaway, I think, was, was from the book, was, was that. that. That, I do remember that,
1: that section. She held herself very straight. Her spine, her head was held back with sort of, you know, a sense of dignity, and everyone else was kind of crawling, uh, really scared that they were going to fall, and she's just totally comfortable. I, I I thought maybe she felt that she was being singled out, not in a mean way, but I've, I've almost felt – i this is just my recollection. I could be totally wrong if I reread that section. I almost felt like she was already uncomfortable at Cambridge, which is what? The preeminent university on earth? Um, and she didn't even go to elementary school or high school or middle school <laughs> or any of that stuff. Um, so I think she felt she had some catching up to do and – and she was being singled out as being, you know, sort of like a construction worker guy. I mean, I think she did, she
0: did certainly feel some anxiety about like her clothes when she was, uh, you know, first in Europe, you know, Uh, the other students had these, you know, they went shopping for a European kind of style and she just had jeans and, you know, T-shirts or...
1: So I... I I have a question, Eric, about um, – so her parents let her brother, Sean, um, abuse her. Um, wh- why? Why did her parents wh- – why did they support the boy and not the other siblings? Because um, I think Taylor – Taylor? Tyler and and – Audrey, was it, Uh, another sister, they were abused by this brother who sometimes could be charming and sometimes very kind and supportive and other times just sadistic, Um, as I recall. I mean, I never met the guy. I'm just saying from what I've read. Um, Why would the – I never quite understood that. Why were – why would the father not – accept the possibility that this was happening and why would the mother go along with it
0: well one of my first reactions is this is not uh, an uncommon thing right i mean girls are abused in families around the world and men allow it to happen <laughs> why did they, they i don't know i think there's a lot of different uh Reasons you know people find ways to justify it, you know that you you know purity things. I wasn't there a bit of that you know like you know you, I, I need to I need to set you straight so that you don't become a harlot.
1: Maybe the father saw the son as um, a mirror in a sense like the father saw the son as himself and didn't want to rein in the son because that was him. Hmm. I don't know. I'm not a shrink. Maybe I shouldn't be asking that kind of question. No, but it's, it's just really something part- it, it came up in my head.
0: Like, I also think it's, you know, I, she, she is so honest in the book. I love, we, you know, I love honesty. She really lays it all out. And she, she even is honest about, like, how she tried to cover it up. You know, she had the boyfriend who came in the house, and she tried to— mask that she was being abused by her brother and um, she lays it all on the table you know damn.
1: I, 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 to me just to wrap up that section of uh, our discussion this is what happens when there's no checks and balances checks and balances mm. are a good thing whether it's in society or in a family or in a church or a corporation or a, a, a hike with three friends whatever it is Checks and balances are okay whether someone's uh, older or younger or uh, different gender or whatever it is. It's a good. I, I, actually, before we move on, uh, one question I would have is why has this book captured the imagination of so many people? Like why are the people at Harvard and Cambridge and all these highly uh, educated people, why are they why have they you know why are they grasping on to this book? Why why are they reaching out to Tara? Like she's like this superstar now. Why? What are they missing that she's filling for them?
0: I mean I, I do think of universities as being a place that wants different point of views.
1: I
2: mean it
0: obviously is confirms uh that it's a good thing to get out of a Destructive family and get a university education, <laughs> kind of right. I mean, that's what this book is. She couldn't have written this book if she hadn't gone to Cambridge and Harvard. That was her, you know. That's how she really and BYU. I don't mean to leave out BYU. But, you know, to, to, that's how she got educated.
1: So I have a theory about just to answer my own question. Um, so there's a big. I mean, if you think about America, um, there's a big divide. Um, that's now being played out in the political scene where you have the rural population uh who essentially does not accept the facts and the figures and the codes and the culture of the educated, and then you have the university, the city people uh the 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 doctors, the lawyers, and so forth and The two cultures, there's not a lot of back and forth. It's almost like two bubbles. One watches Fox, the other watches CNN and um, MSNBC uh, and and a few other stations. There's such a divide between the two. And I think when somebody has a religious conversion, religious quote-unquote, the people... To whom that person, the converted person, came to raise their hands and say, Praise Lord! Woo! Yeah! And so I think what's happening when Tara gives a talk and the room is filled with people, and oh my God, it's Tara! Woo! 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 And it's, except it's, it's, it's the people driving sobs and the people with their, you know, they got their master's. They're kind of working on their PhD. And wow, like, ha, 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 we got another one. And it's a mm. conversion. It's almost like a religious conversion. It's like, wow. she. Right. It's almost like she found Jesus and she's now one of us, except it's not Jesus. It's something else.
0: Well, people drive Saab still?
1: Saab, <laughs> uh, when I said sob. I, I meant to say Tesla.
0: <laughs> I think the value of a book like Educated is also, it It reminds you to think about where you come from. You know, I think that's partly why this book has touched a nerve with a lot of people. You know, I certainly don't have a story like Tara Westover, you know, but I have my own story, and you, Mark, have your own story, and each of us has a story of where we come from. It's undeniable. I mean, it sounds completely obvious, but uh, I, I, I think it's worth just it's worth us remembering that each of us has a story, and and so um, I think I was thinking about this when I when I wrote this tune um, cool. called "You Don't Die from a Broken Wing or a Broken Heart."
2: I could see me as a boy in the old general store A few pennies in the dish, whatever you'd wish What was it there in that hour? Your mother held a flower Gave you the power to go on When you woke at dawn and the store is gone And you prayed to know your part You don't die from a broken wing or a broken heart You don't die from a broken wing or a broken heart These are the days we'll remember when we say, remember when, when my bones creakin' I can't play the keys like I used to pretend. But something will remain, it will, that song about the train, And will, what was it he was going for in that sound. Drew us around, brought us to the ground. Was it really all that hard? You don't die from a broken wing, broken heart. You don't die from a broken wing we a broken heart. I'm trying to find a way through the danger inside of you. Trying to find a way to the her inside of you. Trying to find a way to the stranger who will creep aside and leap. She said, I'm crying, dying, trying just to sing myself asleep. It's the fraud I keep cutting too deep and tearing me apart. You don't die from a broken wing or a broken heart. You don't die from a broken wing or a broken heart. There's a letting go, the teeter's on the edge. There's a fretting though it sometimes drives a wedge. There's no forgetting, getting to have the kind of time your grandfather cried reading his poems to you just before he died you can hear them there barely there in the air and never will they part you don't die from a broken wing a broken heart you don't die from a broken wing took a trip to Canyon Canyonlands and you took us out to the rim. You said close your eyes and realize where deep time begins. And it set me loose, no excuse for the thoughts and the odds I shoulda, coulda bought when I was young and in my prime. But the art and time are long and wide And have been since the start You don't die from a broken wing or a broken heart You don't die from a broken wing or a broken heart
1: Thank you for that. Wow, beautiful. Um, to me, there was like two parts to that song. Um, there was the, the it's kind of this wistful sadness to it. Like, mm. I, I, I don't mean this in a bad way. Like, it took me back. I was following your images uh, from your your memories. But that also took me back to things that I remembered. Like, it wasn't quite Canyonlands, but I, I, I took trips with my parents, and I've been to the store with my mom. And it took me yep. back like way long ago. And g- Grandpa reading a poem, and I, you know, I'm picturing my grandpa, mm. um, beautiful but sad, mm. but not in a bad way. And then the other part of the song is kind of an empowering. Um, Maybe a bit like Tara Westover. is like, okay, um, y- you you will hit har- harshness, or y- you'll you'll fall, and that's okay.
0: Totally, that's what it made me. That's why. That's why. Yeah, you know, I thought. That, yeah, this is. That's what I wanted to sing, just because of that. You know that. I mean, no one wants to face hard times. I, there, there is something to that truth. Of, I, I mean, what I said in this song is like you don't die from a broken wing or a broken heart, you know. But if it does, and I was saying earlier, you know, if you don't, if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger. You know, there is some truth in all. There's a lot of truth in
1: all that. And so. isn't that Tara's story as well? And there's this beautiful kind of tension between this right. wistfulness. And I, you know, looking at Tara's story, it's like I could, I could see this wistfulness. She, it, it, it was part of her narrative despite all the abuse because these people loved her and she loved them. And there was a strong family bond despite the yeah. utter, utter insanity and pieces of metal going through their legs. And oh my God, right. I can't, yeah, um, dump trucks pouring metal and you fall out. And it's like, well, just be careful. It's like, what the fudge? Right. But there was an underlying love there, and... A survival, learning survival, teaching survival. There was a caring. It's like it was an insane worldview, but it was like, I'm doing this for you, Tara. And there's got to be a wistfulness about that from her side. I felt that. But then, you know, there's also, she emerged from this, and she's strong. Right. She could be yeah. out on that cathedral in Cambridge and with these PhD fancy people, and she's in both worlds now, and she's holding her head high. Right. Right. And I think your song sp- speaks to both of those sides.
0: I feel like, you know, I, what a joy you and I getting to, to speak and, and do this, I I, I feel like I haven't really gotten a shout out to people that have tuned into the podcast and and thank people for tuning like for listening because it's been like I've I've heard some nice uh, some really nice feedback and I've appreciated so you know folks that are listening thank you I'm I'm, I'm thank you and I'm I'm glad that this is a, a, a you know a source of light and and a balm in this time and uh, and I feel like uh, you know all of us you know collectively. You know, tuning into stuff that's about thinking and uh, you know, learning and being educated and reading books and being a little kooky and wacky and all these things is uh, is uh, is uh, you know helps like Mark you and I Mark you know helps us kind of keep going and stay sane and I'm glad for people that tune in that it's that for you as well and uh, feel free to. Send anything our way. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and, you know, send a book recommendation or something you think we should read. We would love that. And feel free to subscribe and pass it on and all the yada yada, because that's kind of how we, how more people find out about it and how uh, you can, uh, you know, make sure you find out about upcoming episodes. So, And, uh, you know, if you want to know more about Mr. Peach, it's pretty much it takes you have to subscribe to the Peach in order to, uh, you know, to reach...
1: The beach. I I think that's right. I think just send the twenty five dollars care of Mark Laxer, and I will send you images of Mr. Peach on the beach, um, for you each. I got a tweet liked by Mark Hamill, who's known as Luke Skywalker within Star Wars. I feel like now I've done that. I don't think there's anything left on my list of things to do. I think that's it. I'm done, uh, except the veal cutlet bit. So uh, the, the only other thing I think there is left to do is to explore language and ideas. I think the Mr. Peach bit, I think it's about letting go the conscious self, right? That's a reference to Star Wars and Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, in studying the force, let go your conscious self, Luke, um, and trust the force. I think to me, uh, I'm, I'm sort of a Luke Skywalker wannabe, um, always have been, even before the movies came out, which is very difficult to do, but if you're able to put away your the part of your mind that is sort of nitpicking, like, oh, yeah, yeah, you got to do this. And just let that drop and let things come out. Then what comes out, especially if you're just doing it live on air, is complete and utter nonsense. Your turn, Eric. Uh,
0: um, is, <laughs> do, do you expect change from that? that thing yeah, either? like 50 cents. 50 yeah.
1: cents? Yeah. a Pence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, would you like dollar? Would you like Mike pence? <laughs> How many uh, pence would that be? Lovely.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, uh well, uh yeah, I'll give you a few uh pence. Yeah, peach is definitely about uh liberation. You know. It's a form of liberation. It's a form of liberation for for, you know, on a on a poetic uh, intellectual kind of level. The peach is a way of uh, just kind of freeing it up and letting it just kind of vomit out. And Oh, that's uh, beautiful. Isn't it? I know vomiting. Oh, my trendy, God.
1: What a lovely sort a green, of green, a little
0: brown, a, a little, little green and brown. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's very,
1: you know, but it's uh, cathartic because as people turn off our broadcast, they'll feel so much better. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's quite a service. It's like a horror movie. You know, but
0: uh, I I, I always think of... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I do think of uh, Paul McCartney when he wrote Yesterday. And he woke out, he was in Paris in a hotel room and he got out of bed. And he had a piano in his room because he's Paul McCartney. And he sat down at the piano and he was like...
2: Scrambled eggs da 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 scrambled eggs,
0: you know, and if you had been trying to think of let me write a great song, let me see if I can think of something, and so that that's you know that's- that's creation at its at its heart right there is where you don't try to think of something you know you 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 just you blah, right there and and it's no there's no censoring yourself, there's no you know um Keith Jarrett, the amazing uh, pianist, uh, who um, you know he's been in jazz world and he's been, but he's been really well known for his improv. And he gets on stage, you know, in these big opera houses with a with a grand piano and sits down and has no preconceived notion. And and he, in fact, if he when he's waiting off stage to come on stage to perform for ten thousand people, if he has a musical idea, he throws it out of his mind. Until he sits
1: down, and then he, you know, he just starts to Just lets it flow. He gets into the flow, and probably the LSD doesn't hurt. <laughs> LDS, what? LDS, yes. Um, oh, when the same. <laughs> Go improvising. Go marching. <laughs> um, so, so, right. So what we are talking about, uh. <laughs> something about getting in the flow. Getting in the flow when you start, you know,
0: grinding or mashing, mashing the peaches, mix in a little bit of a half and half or a nafta, hafta, hafta, and, nafta, hafta, nafta, your yeah. peaches. Um, and uh, then shave, make sure you've got a clean shave. And um, I think there's lafta, hafta, nafta. <laughs>
1: There's something I do that's terrible, that's terrible for my kids. They, In fact, I'm blocking their use of language. So uh, every time my kids say something like, you know, we're making eggs or something like that, um, and they say about the pan or they're making pasta and we put in a little bit of olive oil, they say, Daddy, they still say Daddy, which is so sweet. Um, uh, They say that every time the milkman comes by. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Anyway, they say is this too oily? And I look at them, and I say, no. it's like." Th- I look at my watch, and I'm like, <laughs> no, it's like 3.30. It's not too oily. And now every time they look at me, they get to that segment of language, that section of their brain that is mapped to the word oily, and they freeze. Right. They can't go there. Well, totally.
0: Here, here's mine with my family is – is uh, it's a true story. This this. Uh-huh. You know, so I went to college with this friend, and she told me the story of this kid yeah. whose family name was Case. Last name was Case, and his parents named him Justin. So he's Justin Case. And true story, kid lives in Hawaii. So anytime anyone says Justin Case, I say, oh boy, I got a story to tell you. And you know, like I think those kind of those family stories, you know, talking about what we're talking about today with this book, you know, it's just like making you think of, uh, I just like every family. I love reflecting on those family stories. Cause now
1: they know if someone says just in case, I'm always going to say. No, absolutely. And right next to Hawaii is this little Island. It's called Bieber. And so when they ever go there, they are right next to Justin Bieber. <laughs> oh, when the same go and I'm watching it. Oh massive. my God. It's oily. Oh, yeah! No kidding! (laughs) So, Brooklyn comes to Vermont. It's really kind of scary. But that kind of makes sense, because Bernie's up here. Burning Man is up there? Don't... Don't worry about the juice. Bernie's on the loose. Hmm. So, it's one thing to get in the flow of this beautiful... Whoa, I just dropped my burning. Um, (laughs) It's wonderful getting this... Yeah, I just dropped my notes, my crib notes. Um great to get <laughs> did you drop your votes too oh no it's rigged he dropped his votes. oh my god i rigged my goat <laughs> i got my goats oh my gosh my oats and my gro- john are groats We're and you're all rigged oats? for oh. my votes <laughs> how about your pig you have a my pig? pig how dare you i'm i'm ashamed What does my pig have to do with this? Your pig is hauling oats. Hauling oats. (laughs) Hauling oats. Yeah. Uh, Do you know this is a a town called John O'Groats? There's
0: also a town called Intercourse, Pennsylvania.
1: No. There's a town called Intercourse. It's not Intercourse, Pennsylvania. The state is called Pennsylvania, silly. Pennsylvania, the traitorous state. Is it?
0: Oh, totally. Why? Because they wouldn't. You know, they wouldn't they counted their votes.
1: Oh Count that in votes. that sense. Count oh, but the weren't their votes in Oily? <laughs> I think I think I think the Secretary of State said that we voted Oily. Or was that John O'Groats?
0: <laughs> it was the folks on the boats.
1: Oh the, the boats votes. people. Count the boats. Count the goats, count the goats, count the goats. In fact, I think, you know what? If you go down to Georgia, you could say to Burger, which is different than the Onion Burger, um, you could say, listen, Mr. Republican. I don't know. What would you say after that? Count the oats. Count, count the, the oats. John Groats, These damn Republicans keep doing Republican things um like voting not voting Goating. Goating the goats have you ever goaded a goat <laughs> with a
0: goatee how many boats would <laughs> a boat how with a goatee would a goat <laughs> float if a Did... boat float could float boats
1: speaking <laughs> <laughs> it sound boats? like dr snooze
2: Doctor, uh, if you Seuss? had a
1: brain cell, would it become loose like Doctor Seuss? A cell like a uh, like a cell
0: like a uh, like a like this kind a of membrane. cell or this kind of cell <laughs> or this kind of cell?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, How much well, are you gonna well, sell to that nudge, for? Nudge, wink, wink. Know what I mean? <laughs> oh, you don't mean one of those COVID cells. <laughs> Oh, by the way, it turns out that COVID is just a government put over. Created by Bill Gates. Yes. And why is his name Gates? Have you ever thought of that? How come it's not Goats? Bill Goats. The billionaire. Or is it a trillionaire? (laughs) Do you realize that Bill is worth only one Elon there's so many Elons now it's like Elon has an Elon for each of his new companies it's like 27 last day it's Elon's favorite time of day yes (laughs) I I think he uses a cologne (laughs) it's called (laughs) and it it costs a billion dollars every day he gets a new billion dollars all he has to do is tell people Tusk, Tusk, Tusk I'm Elon <laughs> Oh god, does he grow corn? <laughs> he grows corn It's, what's the thing where people say chicken to chicken, dusk to tusk <laughs> My name is Bill and my name is <laughs> gonna pull off the
2: husk Husk, husk, husk
1: That's corny (laughs)